Okay. Okay. But this concept, it's probably going to start off a bit vague. Hopefully we can get into it, sort of figure out what it is. And then by the end of it, we'll have some kind of practical advice or just points of conversation and come up with a couple takeaways. But there's this thing that I'm starting to notice pop up again and again throughout the few years we've been doing this. And it sort of goes into this overarching theme that we have for this season or this year where we want. Is there some catchy way to say it? What we're, what we're after? We want things to become unconscious to where, you know, you've thought a lot about something, you've overanalyzed it, kind of tear it all apart, examine your habits, think a lot about how you think and so on. But then eventually it kind of settles in the concrete sets and then it just becomes part of the way you operate and you're not really thinking about it anymore. Right. You don't want to wake up in the morning, wonder what to do, go into some sort of existential crisis, yeah. try to figure out what to do with your life, whatever. And you just want to wake up, know what you want to do, go do the thing. It should feel good, whatever. We're trying Living to cut some, down. Yeah. yeah, we're trying to cut down on the number of existential crises per day. Right. So I've noticed it. I realized this because I wasn't doing it. I was, I was doing it wrong recently and, and things weren't really working. So I was thinking back on the times when I have felt really good about, I don't want to say learning. I felt really good about whatever I'm doing, whether it's trying to improve or just execute uh, art or improve at guitar or whatever. I was looking back at sort of the, the times in my life where I seem to have gotten it right for a certain stretch of time. And it it starts to look like this big chain of, of thought or this chain of learning where, okay, so one example was when I was doing that, that skeleton drawing thing where I was trying to learn the whole skeleton, draw it from memory. I don't know if everyone remembers that, but it, even though it didn't totally turn out exactly the way I wanted it to, the process that I started developing during that time period actually worked really, really well. And it sort of worked like this. When I, when I very, the very first thing I did for it was I, I just did one drawing. And then however bad it was, I, I made a couple notes about what I think I could improve or what went wrong or just questions I had on that. And then the next drawing I did, I tried to do the same thing, but I tried to incorporate or fix all of those notes that I had uh, or, or try to answer the questions that I developed on that first piece. And then for that second drawing, I did the same thing. You do the drawing as best you can, then you review it, you come up with a bunch of these questions and then you just try to answer those and then you do it again. And again, and again. And so the live streams that I was doing every week were this perfect way of sort of performing, reviewing that, coming up with questions, spending a week doing that, and then performing again, and again, and again. And it was just this really great process where it, it just felt so healthy and so straightforward. It was this chain where one link is linked to the the next link, the next day, the next day, the next day, and it just keeps on going. One day you generate questions, the next day 
that the next day you look for answers and you generate more questions and on and on and on. Yeah. And I was thinking back and I was doing the same thing with portraits a, a few years ago. I went on this portrait drawing kick where I would draw a portrait, come up with a bunch of questions, go look for the answers, and then it just kept on going. And it was this very simple, very straightforward process. And then I start looking at all the things I've ever done. And every time that it's worked out really, really well, that sort of behavior seems to be at the heart of it. And so I've kind of struggled with defining it exactly what it is, but it's it's this idea of of interconnectedness between what you do, where everything's connected to the next thing. And and one of the reasons why I think it works so well is because the space repetition is naturally baked into it. You know, if you're if you're sort of building off of what you're doing the day before, then you're reminded of it and and you're having to recall it. And you just have this perfect natural rhythm and spaced repetition. And sure enough, this shows up in the book that we read, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something, the the peaks peak the new science of expertise or, or something by Anders Ericsson, right? I think so. That's something like that. Similar good to job, that. Good job remembering that though. Right. But he, so he defines a couple key aspects of what he believes experts have, or, or in order to be sort of an expert at your craft, you kind of need to have these aspects about yourself. It's a confusing way of putting it, but he, yeah. he studied a bunch of professional, like very expert level musicians. I think they were violinists or something. Mm -hmm. And he noticed that out of, you know, these 10 different aspects that, that he noticed, one of them was this trend or this behavior of always building on what you did previously. And it's just this constant momentum of, you know, you, you practice it one day, you work on it and you practice it again the next day. You're you're not changing gears every day. You're not mm -hmm. you're not constantly jumping from one thing to the next. You have this very straightforward path. And I've become I, I have noticed this in what I do as well. And so recently the whole reason I, I started thinking about this was because I started this life drawing class. And you know, I'm doing that every week and I'm trying to work on this independent art stuff that I'm doing. And then I'm also doing, you know, other studies at attached to that. And then I'm also going to work every day in drawing or, or painting. So I have these, you know, basically four different avenues. And I, I started noticing that I would practice all this life drawing stuff. And then I would start drawing my independent art stuff. And then I would go to work and start drawing. And none of them were feeding into the other at all. There was no crossover. What I started doing was trying to condense them all into, into one thing, one path. And so in, in a practical way for me, instead of having all of these separate drawing pads and pads of paper that aren't attached to each other at all, I, I try to condense it all into one single sketchbook. So I have one page, you know, and this is a very visual way of seeing it, but I have one page where I do the drawings and try to connect them all together. And then I start the next page the next day and I, I'm able to very easily review. 
And so, you know, this won't be the same for anyone else, but say like for the life drawing, I'm taking poses from the life drawing and trying to weave them into drawings for the, the personal uh, independent art. And then I'm trying to take the methods that I'm using for that and trying to apply them to the stuff at work. So it's all this one, this one like life force, this one thing that's related. And okay, let's, let's just hear your thoughts on this. Cause well, I could keep going, but. So you're saying that you're kind of trying to keep everything in your brain more continuously, kind of blurring it together into one thing rather than finishing it and then dropping it and not thinking about it for a while. Yes. Do you, okay. So you know how when you learn a new vocabulary word, all of a sudden you hear it everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. The reason why your, your brain sort of sparks at, at when you hear it is because you recognize it. You know that that ties into something right. that's sort of important to you. So, you know, once you learn it, you start to recognize it in places and your brain sort of lights up, you know, You're like, oh, I recognize that word. I just learned that word or whatever. There's something that happens in the brain with, with relation or with mm -hmm. recognition. And it sort of lights up and makes this connection. And if you think about what happens when you go to school, you know, in, in grade school, when you're a kid, you go to math class, and then you go to English class, and then you go to science class, and then you go to PE, and none of them have anything to do with the next class. The teachers aren't, you know, forming some curriculum to, to bring you fluidly from one to the next. It's just this block of time, then this totally separate block of time, and then this totally separate block of time. But if you think about someone, say, like Da Vinci, his art and science and math and physics and architecture, everything was completely weaved together into one singular narrative where he's he's blending all of them together where he starts to well i don't know what he was really thinking but in my mind you know things in art kind of light up when he's talking about physics or when he's talking about mm -hmm. architecture and and it's like everything i'm theorizing but i imagine that everything is just so related and it's not, it's not all broken and fragmented like modern education or, or like what I'm doing, where I don't see any relation between my life drawing class and my at-home drawing, you know? I really should see the connection there. I mean, I, I should be able to make that. So I know this is a lot, but I am wondering if there is a skill or an overlooked method of doing things I'm wondering if finding connections or interconnectedness, is there a way to develop a skill of connecting one thing to the next thing where everything is sort of, everything becomes a singular path of, I, I know this is really weird, but yeah. I don't think it's, it, it makes sense in my head. I'm just, it, it's hard to describe it exactly, but, but I don't know what. Okay, so do, feel... well, first off, does does this make sense, or am I being way too vague? Because I can try to be no, no, more no, I... specific, but I think I get 
what you're thinking and what yeah i i think i get you i think you're talking about a couple different things so let's mm -hmm. maybe kind of slice off those a little bit yeah you know okay. one at a time so first off what you were saying about spaced repetition which i've said this before but you know whenever you say spaced repetition people kind of think of anki and, and super memo and that stuff like the little apps that let you do that but really just we we remember things because of spaced repetition that's simply how our brain decides what it's going to store long term and what it isn't it gets a ton of information every day and it throws out the vast majority of it because why would you need to remember you know every single stupid little thing that happened uh, but if you're forced to recall stuff after a period of time your brain's like oh this must be important let's keep this around for a while longer if you do it again it sticks around for longer that's just that's just how we operate right so space repetition is just fundamental to our brains so what you're saying about you know doing something frequently where you're you're doing it one day and you're doing it the next day and doing it the next day um that leverages that fundamental aspect of our brains so kind of this is a simple thing but Honestly, I've started doing something that has become one of the most enjoyable things that I do throughout my week. So I bought a rower. I did this a couple months ago. You know, a little water rower thingy. Put it down in the basement. Okay. Right? Uh, and I set up... So I have a TV in front of the rower. You know, I've been doing kind of these slow, uh, you know, long workouts on the rower, which are super boring you're just there for an hour and you're i mean in the basement so there's nothing to look at so i have a tv um, and i i decided that i wanted to pick a show to watch while i rode and i decided as a little bit of a motivation thing that i would only watch that show when i'm rowing so if i want to watch more of it i can't just you know lay in bed and watch it on a phone or in the t anything like i have to be rowing and i watch it so i picked uh full metal alchemist brotherhood I started watching it a, a long time ago and kind of dropped it. And I'd always wanted to get back to it because I know it's a great show. It's an anime. So I, had, I have a setup to where I go down. I queue up two episodes of this show. They're about 25 minutes. So it winds up 50 minutes of rowing. And I row on the rower for 50 minutes while I watch this show. And that's it. Nothing else goes on. And the show is great. So there's that. Like, it's just a really good show. But I've watched good shows before. But doing this has been so incredibly enjoyable. I was almost shocked. Like, this is so great. Why is this so great? And I start to think about it. And I think there's a few things. One, I'm not doing anything else. I can't get distracted because I'm my hands and everything are occupied by the rower. So I just kind of have to stare straight ahead and watch the show. So there's something I can appreciate more of it because I I can't start fiddling with a phone or something, right? So there's that, and that's nice. But the big thing, I think, is that television used to be serial, or, you know, you would watch an episode every week, and so you get a little bit, get a little bit, and if you wanted to finish a show that was eight seasons, that was eight years, maybe longer if they if they paused at some point, right? So that's like eight years. That's a long time. Well, so that's, that's spaced repetition right there. You know, you watch a show, and then you have a week to think about it, and wonder what's going to happen next and then the next episode comes on and you think about what happened before and like you're just forced to remember and recall and reflect and think and everything but that went away I, unfortunately tv kind of sucked when that was popular uh 
things like Netflix came around, you know, that style went away where we just binge on shows now. They all just drop it once for the most part and you just watch it all. Or you wait until the show is finished and then you queue it up and you just slam through, you know, seven seasons in a couple of weeks. So you watch it in this giant blob and that can be really fun. You get super sucked in. You can't wait to see what happens next. You're up late. You're just pounding through shows, but it's like it all just it occupies your mind fully. You're never forced to recall anything about it because it's all super fresh in your head. And then it's just gone. Like it's all there all at once. And then it's nothing. And so switching to this, like be, because I'm doing the rower and having to watch the show, I'm forced to space it out. I can't, I don't row every day and I don't want to. So it's, you know, a few times a week, I'll get on there and watch a few episodes. So I'm just slowly progressing through this series. So every time I get down there, I have to like go through that process of thinking about, okay, what was happening again? Oh yeah, that's right. There's two characters are kind of off trying to figure this thing out or they're, you're just having to think about all that stuff. And when you get done, you think about what you just saw. You don't just go right into the next episode. So it ends up just, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. I, I'm so surprised at how enjoyable this was. So I think that's one piece of what you're talking about, which is when you continuously have to kind of go to the next part along the path, if you just do it all at once, you don't, you don't get that. You don't get any of that space repetition or that continual revisiting and like that like you said it's like a chain and that chain is really powerful so i think that's part of it uh and actually the guy who made super memo uh wozniak i think his name is so he he wrote about something and he implemented this in his software this is this is a, a piece of software that's kind of similar to anki and everything although it's really old school as far as i know it's like the first implementation of a space repetition system type of thing so he he implemented this thing in the software and he, he's written about it and why it's this really powerful thing but he calls it incremental reading i don't know if you remember i've actually brought this up on two previous podcasts and i think both times the podcast sucked and we had to throw it away so for some reason this is like cursed concept this is your last chance you better yeah, make if it, it good. if <laughs> if we have to scrap this one then we're done we're not talking about this ever <laughs> but he's he talks about incremental reading is what he calls it and he's implemented this in software and the idea is pretty simple so you take a bunch of articles say you want to learn about i don't know some concept in physics you know nuclear fission or whatever so you grab a whole bunch of articles on that topic but instead of doing what you would typically do, which is you start an article and you read it, and then you go to the next one, and you read that one, you put it into kind of feed it into the super memo software and you do this incremental reading thing where, you know, you, you start your session, it brings up an article and it shows you maybe the first paragraph and you read the first paragraph and then you stop and you go to a different article and you read a paragraph and then you stop. Maybe you do a few of these and then that's it. That's it for the day. You just consume a little fraction of each one of these things. And then the next day you start it again and you read the next piece of these different things. And I, I think there's some sort of randomness to it or whatever, but point being you consume them in these little chunks one at a time spaced out over many days. And it forces you to do what I'm describing with watching Full Metal Alchemist, 
which is you have to recall what you read before. Like, wait, what is this? What is it referring to? Oh, yeah, I remember. I read about, you know, how you set up nuclear fusion and something about E equals MC square and stuff like that. And so you're having to bring all these things back in your brain and reprocess them and make the connections and then read the next thing and then, you know, and on and on. So you wind up consuming it in a completely different way where it's actually spread out over time many different parallel paths you're reading multiple articles at the same time little bit by bit you know stretched out over weeks and that's uh incremental reading and i've i haven't used super memo exactly but i've tried to do a little bit of this and i think it's incredibly powerful it's nobody i've never heard of anybody acknowledging this or even talking about it but i think it's a, a incredibly powerful technique that we just kind of don't don't think about that much so that's not all you were talking about, but that's a piece of it that I have started to think more and more about and really relate to, which is this idea of taking something and rather than having it in this big giant wad where you do it all at once, you stretch it out over a long period of time and it causes your brain to interact with it in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. You only ever see these uh, smash cut. Is it a smash cut? Or, or, no, these these montage scenes in movies, you know, where they just throw on some excitable music and they do a bunch of cuts of them, you know, working really hard for, I don't know, <laughs> three days. And then all of a sudden they're the best in the world at that thing. Right. But. Yeah, you know, the, I think there's some there are some disciplines that fall into that category naturally, like exercising if yeah. you're on a plan and if you stick to it and if it's right for you and it works you know it i was doing and and this kind of what i started doing again but i run tuesday thursday and sunday and i just do that every single week and it's always building on what i did before you know it, it changes it's not the exact same thing every time but it always builds and i'm I know that there's this progression there and it just feels good. And yeah, it's sort of, it just naturally follows this rhythm. Whereas something else, and, and for you with the rowing, it's this regular thing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. you, you know what to expect. It's building on what it was before. You know, you're watching the show and now you're watching the next episode. In the next episode, there's a storyline that's it's just kind of following and you're, you know, you get stronger, your rowing gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's just this progressive thing. It's very simple. There's only a couple elements in that. And with something like music or art or whatever, these creative endeavors, there is no set plan like that. Right. And so and, and we just chase whatever pops up. And, it, and so whenever I have stuck to something simple, like say the, the skeleton drawing thing where I was doing live streams every week, that is so simple. The actual plan was not quite right for me and that's why I stopped doing it. But the plan, the process, that was so simple. And all of those very simple, very important, very healthy aspects were baked into it. And so, and, and same with, with music back in the day. When, when I was doing well, when I was happy with music, it's because I was playing shows or I was, I was playing in a band every single week. I was playing in front of people on a regular basis. And things only started going bad when it got 
when the whole schedule got totally screwed up. I never gave any weight or any credence to the actual scheduled playing weekly. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was, I don't know, something something uh, separate from me practicing guitar. But looking back, I think that was one of the most important aspects of me learning music, period. Where it not necessarily, you know, having to play in front of people all the time. But for me, it created an environment where those those few very important aspects were included. The way I've kind of been thinking about this a little bit is that there's a pretty stark contrast between building something and then progressing in a skill with something, you know, learning, gathering new information, that kind of thing. So if you want to refinish a table, you know, strip it down, stain it, you know, the urethane, that kind of stuff, you can do that in a weekend. You can go crazy, camp in your garage, spend 12 hours a day doing that, and it gets done, and then it's finished. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you just pour your time into it, and it's done, and there it is. The table is finished. Because you, you're creating something that just sits there and exists. And once it's done, it's done. And some things are like that. Sometimes I have a software project to do where I'm not really learning, I'm just doing. I'm just putting together lines of code to make something work and I can pour a ton of time into that and I you know, throw it all together in one weekend, I barely even know what happened, but it's done, it works, it's finished, send it off. Same for you, you can do a painting that way and that's that, right? If you have to right. do crunch time, you do crunch time, it's done. Some things are like that, but some things are not. And skill progression or, or what we usually think of as learning and you know getting better, gaining skill, it just doesn't work that way for several different reasons. One is the space repetition aspect, where it doesn't matter how hard you focus on something in a single moment. I mean, it, it can affect it the way you think about something, but you can't just force that into your permanent memory. That's not how your memory works. Like I said, your brain selects what it's going to keep at least in large part, based on you recalling that at a later point in time. So you have to stretch that out along a timeline because that's how your brain works like that. Same as exercise, right? You can't just lift tons and tons of weight one day and get super strong. You know, everyone knows you have to stretch that out because your body has to adapt to it. Memory is a similar process. The other aspect is this. Matthew Walker talked about this in his book, Why We Sleep, and this was this little piece that stood out to me that to me is incredibly profound. He was testing skill acquisition. He was kind of emulating somebody learning piano by having people type on a keypad. And what he did was he had these two groups of people and he had one group where they would type on a keypad. They had to you know, learn how to type this little sequence of numbers and they learned it in the morning. And then the second group, they had to do the same thing. They had the same amount of time, same type of number sequence, and they did it in the evening. And then they waited for 12 hours, both groups, and they tested them again. And he did fMRIs and scanned their brain and all this kind of cool stuff. So the first group, he tested them. You know, they, they learned it in the morning. They waited 12 hours. And he tested them at night. So they'd just been, you know, doing whatever all day, tested them again. And they were pretty much where they were when they left off. You know, they could do it about as good as they could do in the morning. But the second group, they were tested 12 hours later, but they had slept. And so he tests them again, and they weren't just better. They were different. 
their brains actually function differently where and the way he described it was that the the first group they would try to type out the sequence of numbers and it was kind of chunky they go one three seven and a little pause and then da 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 it's like these little bits of information they're kind of stringing together but the second group who had slept it just kind of flowed it's all one thing and in right. the brain scan it was coming from a totally different piece of the brain like i think it's the i hope i don't get this wrong i think it was the hippocampus that it starts in and then it moves into the neocortex but it's whatever it doesn't matter where it is it's just totally different and the really important thing there is that the skill it doesn't matter if you cram for it there's a specific process that happens where your brain actually transforms it it moves into a different piece of your brain overnight after sleeping and so if you're trying to get better at playing piano you can't just do that by playing 12 hours a day. Maybe you can get a bunch of different things going and then revisit all of them the next day and they all progress a little bit, but you can't just take your ability to play smoothly and just you know rip through 12 hours where now it's 12 hours better. It is a process that takes time. So anyway, I just kind of feel like we don't appreciate how powerful those processes are when you stretch something out over time. I'm certainly the personality type that tends to binge and do it all at once rather than do that process. But if you really think about it, you start to recognize how powerful that is. So two things. One is that last week, at the beginning of the week, I get this new assignment where I'm drawing it, basically an entire city block of these buildings, this futuristic architecture. And... I start out and it's so clunky, just, you know, like the one, three, seven thing. It's, it's very clunky and very messy. And I don't feel comfortable doing it because I haven't done that type of thing in a while. I've been doing a, a, a different type of art, but this was very drawing. It's a bit more isometric and it was, it's just something I haven't done in a while. So it's totally new to me. That's Monday. And then Tuesday, I felt like, you know, I'm still kind of struggling with it. But then Wednesday and then Thursday come. And by Thursday, I was able to slip into sort of this automatic mode where I understand it. It feels fluid to me. It just makes sense and it's working and it's it's all there. And what was really weird about that whole thing was that I never added any new information into it. And that's really weird because normally you think in order to improve, you need to add new information. You need to gather more, more data in order to improve. But that wasn't the case. It was this weird repetition thing where I'm doing it every day and sleeping on it and whatever. My brain just started relaxing and started sorting things out and recalling stuff further and further back into the past mm -hmm. that I couldn't access the first time things just became more and more clear and I had not added anything new to it. And yeah. So that like sleeping does something strange. And, and when you're doing thing, things on a regular basis, I, I don't know. It, it started unlocking things for me. And I've noticed this before. Oh, okay. So the other thing is that in that same book, Peak, the New Science mm -hmm. of blah, 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 whatever. I like that you always 
make sure you get it's that. such a you know these super smart people can't come up with a a, a catchy title for their book or they, they, they name it it's always yeah spark or peak or right pop or whatever that's the one that the mark their marketing manager was hey you let's use a catchy word like peak and then you can throw your boring title on it like the new science of expertise <laughs> right. whatever that's what they want yeah. and then the marketing department gets the first word yes anyway in the brilliant book with a stupid title he says he says that your brain is not fixed in its function so it changes to accommodate your behavior just like the london cabbies if you remember that example yeah. where uh part of their hippocampus right is actually whatever, a part of their brain that deals with memory stuff is actually bigger than most people's because they practice uh recalling so much yeah they constantly have to recall this information so that part of their their brain actually grows bigger to accommodate their behavior and i think the same thing is happening say like last week when i'm working on those those drawings my brain is slowly starting to you know in a very small way change form to accommodate what i'm doing where every day i'm doing these drawings it starts kind of you know pulling out the weeds of that section of my brain yeah. and starts taking care of it a, a bit and then things start to grow and it 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 starts to uh fit together again where if you're if you're constantly switching from one thing to the next you know you weed it all out but before things start to grow you stop watering it and you, you go to the next section and mm -hmm. the next section and you oh there was someone in the discord i was kind of snooping on some people talking uh someone was saying the the book they're reading that they were getting really frustrated because every chapter was a different character and a different storyline and as soon as you get into that storyline it switches to the next one and the next one and the next one and you you only circle back to the first one when you've read five other stories or something like that and i think that's perfect that's what we do with so many things where we have to just take this whole mass of information that we've come to come to know and get comfortable with completely toss it to the side and get another one and get accustomed to it and, and try to get it going again and then toss it to the side and we just do that over and over and over again mm. so what i want is a singular narrative that weaves its way through all of those things okay so <laughs> when you kind of opened us up and talked about these different sort of ephemeral not ephemeral vague ideas yeah, yeah. trying to get across this was i think part of it was this idea of stretching something out across time like a chain where you're you're constantly revisiting it and you're leveraging this this type of memory system and other things happening too but the other thing you're talking about i think is a bit different where you're saying how you're kind of taking different aspects of the art you're working yeah, on yeah. and rather than kind of leaving them in their own little box you sort of merge them together where you're trying to see i'm not making fun of you i actually like this a lot you're like trying to see the connections between them and never really lose the thread of any of them where right yes 
And this is the this is the weird part. I wasn't laughing at you making fun of me. I'm laughing because I'm also kind of making fun of myself because it sounds so weird. But I swear to God, there's something here that's really interesting. So I started trying to track, and I keep saying like singular narrative or life force or whatever. I know that's really stupid, but feel free to give me a better term. But Fine. what I started doing was trying to document this thing that I'm seeing happen where it's like it's like a this doesn't make any sense but I swear it makes sense it's like a part of your identity right like they, there is a Daniel that shows up in the morning and does a, a drawing in his sketchbook right and that Daniel goes somewhere else when I'm driving to work, and then usually when I'm at work. But he shows up again in other strange areas, okay? And what I started doing, I know this is so weird, I don't care, is I, just on the whiteboard, I would write, you know, drawing in sketchbook. And then I would draw a line and connect it to wherever else that, that Daniel showed up. So drawing in sketchbook, then draw a line, life drawing class because he showed up again in life drawing class and then the next one was this uh this art show uh this frank frazetta art show that i went to he showed up again there <laughs> i know this is weird i don't care and i can't describe it but it's like it's the same part of my brain it's the same same identity i it's different than if i was doing some it's recognizable, okay, where the Michael that, that you are right now, okay, that whatever state of mind you're in right now, it might show up again uh, in two days from now when maybe you're thinking about some kind of concept or whatever. The Michael you are right now just appears again in your head, okay, and you become like this, I don't know, this sliver of your identity or this character, okay? And then he goes away for a while and he shows up again a couple days later. When I I don't know how to describe this, but this is what's happening. I, I've recognized that that recognition of this feeling of me in the morning shows up again in different places. And I can I can find ways of sort of conjuring that part of me up again. So at work. I, I can consciously sort of conjure up that, that Daniel, where I then sort of go back into that mind state where I have these certain number of, of art concepts in my head or certain way of thinking or different, I don't know, patterns of behavior or whatever. I sort of call it all up again, okay? And then there he is again. Does this make any sense at all i don't know so here's what it's kind of making me think about i read a lot about or by and about richard feynman you know who that is i know the name so, but i'm blank okay. he's a uh i think a physicist scientist made a lot of contributions to all kinds of stuff he's like just really famous for he helped a lot with the manhattan project he just did a ton of really incredible research in, in physics. 
Um, but he's also an amazing teacher. He's oftentimes people will kind of call him out as the the supreme example of this incredible teacher because he just really knows how to explain things. And he's he's written books and they're just amazing to read. He's got some personality flaws for sure. Uh, and some people kind of, you know, bounce off that a little bit, but he's just this incredible, or was this incredible guy. And so you, I've, I've read a, a couple books from him and you really just kind of hear how he thinks. And the way he thinks is, it's like he just could never turn it off. He always just wanted to know why, wanted to know how stuff worked. And he applied that to absolutely everything that he encountered. Uh, Dad actually has kind of a cool story of him at NASA. This was back with the uh, uh, after the Challenger explosion, where you know one of the O-rings on the solid rocket booster got too cold, and it started to leak you know, during the launch. And when they were launching, there was this debate of, "Oh, is it okay or not?" And they kind of made the call, like, "Let's just go ahead and launch," and it was catastrophic failure. And so Richard Feynman is part of the team that's at NASA trying to investigate, you know, what, why did this happen? Why did we lose the rocket? What was the failure? And so there's a bunch of kind of, you know, bureaucrat business types going, whoa, what are your procedures? What's, you know, how, how did this fall through the cracks? And Feynman is like, who made this? Who, where's the engineer? I want to talk to him because he's going to know. Like, he doesn't care what the head of NASA has to say. It's like, this thing failed. I want to know why it failed. What happens if we put make it really cold? Let's try that. Let's see. Let's just go figure it out. It's like this almost childish mindset. But it's obvious. But it's correct. Like, let's... How did this happen? Does the engineer know? Let's go talk to the engineer. The engineer is like, yeah, of course it failed. I said it would. I mean, it just... That type of mindset. And he applied that to everything. There's a story of... You know, he's at at work, I forget where he worked, but they installed this new security system, like the agency is upgrading their security. So they have these filing cabinets with these locks on them and the doors with locks. And he's like, I wonder how it works. And so he winds up just breaking in to the office of like the head of the administration and putting stuff in his filing cabinet and like camping out in his room. And so when he opens a door, he's like sitting there, he's like, how your stupid security system that you spent a ton of money on doesn't work. Cause he just like, he can't help it. That's just how he operates thinking about everything. Anyway, the way I think this relates is that reading about Richard Feynman, it's as if it's the same Richard Feynman for every experience that he encounters, where he just has this simple, how does this work? I want to know. And he easily, I mean, he, he had his own sort of flavor of arrogance for sure. But, you know, for somebody who's that successful, you know, famous scientist made a huge impact on the world it would be easy for him to kind of have this attitude of you know i'm super smart and i'm gonna you know talk like a super smart person and use this really dense language that nobody understands to give off that impression but that's not how he operated at all you listen to him in interviews and it's amazing the the interview would ask some question I, there's this one that is pretty popular you can find this clip on youtube pretty easy the interviewer asks him like how does a magnet work you know, how is it that it can repel from far away? And Feynman's just like, I don't know. I mean, he, he goes into this big explanation of, 
it's it's just this fundamental force and I, I can only describe it to you but we just don't really know and he, he gets really into all these weeds of things that feel intuitive to us and things that don't and how you know touching an object feels straightforward but really the atoms aren't actually touching they're just very close but why does that feel okay but a magnet doesn't and he's just this really incredible guy but to me he's the example of i think what you're talking about you have to tell me if this is yeah you know on par or not but it's like it's always that richard Feynman applying that yes. same way of thinking to everything that's what that's exactly what i'm talking about okay and of course my example big surprise james gurney what watching him his his instruction books are built off of his blogs. His blogs are built off of his day-to-day -day life. His day-to-day -day life is him doing studies of the things around him in his in his real world. All of those studies are for the actual paintings that he does. His videos are based off of the paintings that he's that he does. He's always the same thing. Like, yeah, he does different stuff. I'm sure he has more than one attitude or personality, but what I'm saying is that he has that singular thread that's woven through everything. It's all this fabric that's attached. Like it is, it's continuous. This, the life force, the, the thing is just mm -hmm. all interconnected where everything feeds into the next thing. And I've noticed with myself, I don't do that. And it, it's not good. I do it in, in a bad way where I do one thing and then I totally break off from it, do a different thing, totally break off. And I end up losing all progress in, in so many different areas because I'm always doing that. And what I want, and, and we have found some success in sort of nursing this type of thing yeah. by, by coming up with, with ways of being more regular with our schedules and i don't know way of thinking or, or whatever like i think we're on the right track for what we've mm -hmm. been doing recently but this has been like this singular uh line of knowledge i i don't know this weird concept keeps coming up and it shows up every time i've i've done things well yeah and so the next step for me is sort of to understand it better although it might be a lot simpler than than i'm making it sound and it's really just a matter of i don't know keeping things really simple where you just build off the day before like it's, well, it's really that that's simple but but i guess you're right i'm talking about two different things one is you know a pursuit of a single thing where you're trying to get better at you know something specific the other is interconnecting a lot of different things into one thing yeah. but if you think about that, maybe they're really not so different. Yeah, I don't mean that they're totally different. I just mean that I feel like they're kind of things we can talk about separately. Right. So, okay, let's just kind of irresponsibly assume that everybody knows what the hell you're talking about. And I think I'm on board with you too. So I, I think I get what okay. it is you're talking about here. This, this everything is one thing type of thinking. The... Yes. In my mind, it's the Richard Feynman personality type where you just, the core principles are there for everything. There's actually this, there's this movie with Jonah Hill and his therapist. Have you seen it? It was kind of popular on Netflix for a little bit. Phil Stoltz, I think his therapist's name is. I would it's have really, remembered a Jonah Hill movie. 
it's it's not a no, movie. It's seen. it's like a documentary of him talking to his therapist, you know, just kind of explaining some of his therapist ideas. It's actually really good. It's it's worth watching for sure. Uh anyway, his therapist says something it's real simple, but it it really struck me. I can't remember exactly the wording. It's in my space repetition system, but it it hasn't come up yet, so I don't I don't have it nailed down. But he said that if you can get yourself in a place where everything has meaning then that's a really powerful place to be and you could kind of take that different ways but i think i get what he means which is you know even for us right the basic premise of the podcast was you're an artist a visual artist i mostly do software development with other things too so let's just see our, our really different perspectives. You know, we're, we're going to argue about right and wrong and stuff. But actually what we've really found is that for most of what we work on, the fundamental principles really feel like the same thing. Now, to be fair, we're brothers. So we probably think in, in fairly similar yeah. ways. Maybe somebody, you know, from a totally different walk of life would feel different. But even so, it really does seem like there's these really deep fundamental similarities between these very different things that we're pursuing and that kind of implies that you could probably make a lot of those same connections doing just about anything and it kind of implies that really whatever you're doing wherever you're at recognizing some of those very fundamental things is there in front of you like you could do that same thing and many of the things that we've kind of landed on of being able to focus and focus well and recognize what's important and recognize the the ways that you are thinking correctly and incorrectly like all that stuff that's always there and that's never a finished process that's something you can practice at any moment i've mentioned this a couple times before but i i kind of had this revelation at some point you know i my wife likes to watch tv i mostly don't like to watch tv all that much so sometimes you're like, hey, come watch this show with me. And I'm like, waste of time. What am I going to do? But it sort of hit me that I can sit down and watch a show and I can practice focusing on the show, which seems so weird, but it's actually like a really powerful thing. Like how much can I notice? How involved can I, can I be here? Can I keep my mind from going somewhere else? You just found meaning. See, you made the relation back to, you know, what matters to you. Yeah. You made that connection, and then all of a sudden, it's an enjoyable activity that you are actually soaking up knowledge, enjoyment, and and fulfillment from. I do the same thing, where I'm like, God, I really don't want to install this stupid fan on my back porch, because it's really stupid. I don't want to waste my life installing this thing. Yeah. But then y you think of little, little ways of making it useful to, to you. Oh, okay, well, this is going to... This is going to look really nice. And if I can connect it back to the, the the organization in my room, which really feels like me, and then that's just like right outside the door. And I, yeah, it, it's an, all of a sudden it becomes this expression of, of me because the fan looks really, really cool and I like it and I want it installed. So then the, the installation isn't so bad. It's just sort of a matter of time. And then I'm, Okay, well, how else can I make it enjoyable? Oh, I'll throw on some some music that I really like, whatever, and then it's it's not so bad. So I, you find the meaning, you connect it to that that flowing thing. Like you you just mm -hmm. you make the connection, and 
the things that I don't enjoy, it's because I can't make the connection. I don't, I don't see how it, it, it relates to me. And so I'll just, you know, power through something and be miserable when really I should be able to make the, the connection. Mm. Yeah, that's been, that's really my main problem with doing my taxes is that it feels so disconnected from anything right. that I care about. Like it's honestly not that bad by itself. You're mostly just filling out forms. That's not painful. But there's this feeling of it's just, it's wasted time. It's this black hole. It doesn't, I, I don't care about it. It doesn't mean anything else. And I, I need to find a connection. And actually this past year, I kind of did, not really through much conscious effort, but I just started thinking of just doing the taxes. I'm like, well, because I it was the first year I did my taxes and my wife's taxes were like filing together. And so everything's kind of different. And I start thinking of it a little bit more like a game of, okay, well, what if we did this? We could have like a little bit lower taxes and right. all that. And then I think, well, I could put, if I put money into the IRA that lowers the taxes and that kind of works out. And it becomes this game that I start to care about a little bit. I have mm. a hard time caring about money. It's just not that interesting. But if you kind of think of it more like a score in a game, then it's fun. And it just starts to mean more. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to doing taxes this year, but I'm not dreading it like I, I was last year. Right. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not saying that I want to do the same thing every day, all the time, always. I, I don't want a singular activity. Right. What I want is a singular train of thought where all you're really doing is adding on experience and knowledge yeah. onto that one thing, that one track without abandoning abandoning it and jumping to a totally different track. I think yeah, I that's what I'm saying. I think we have two minutes left. Or okay. Either my computer shuts off at 1025 or 1030. I think I can't it's remember which one. Okay, okay, then we have seven minutes. All right, well, let, all right, fine. So nothing like a deadline. You said at the beginning that we would, maybe we would come up with some more concrete things. So maybe let's do that yeah. real quick. So here's here's my question. What do you think are some very specific things that play into being in that mindset versus not. Okay. Remember Marie Kondo. Of course. I think in order to, to find this like singular thing that you're trying to build, I, I know this is way out there and whatever, but in order to kind of find who you are, you need to take everything out and then put it back one by one. I, I reorganized my room recently and I, I kind of went in with that same mindset. I used to do this all the time because I used to have time. But anyway, I, I actually dedicated some time recently to organize part of my room. And, you know, you I would take a whole shelf of stuff and then look at it one by one and think, is this really me? Is this really what I want to do? Is this, you know, is this really relevant to what I'm trying to do this year at this time, you know, or is it just taking up space? And I ended up at, at the end of it with everywhere I look, it feels like me and it feels important and it feels meaningful. And whether I'm looking at, you know, I don't know, a picture of some good time or a book or, I don't know, a piece of camera equipment. It all seems to fit into this singular thing that is who I am and what's relevant to me right now. And anything else can go in the attic or be donated or go in the trash. I don't want it in my space. And I, that's what I want in my life as well. 
where and and so it might be it's sort of a trade-off where if i have something in my room i could work on the ability to find a connection to it or i could get rid of it and focus on the other things i already feel a connection to i mean there's there's a certain amount of do you learn to enjoy this thing or do you pass it off or you know like you shouldn't try to enjoy every single are you this is where it gets weird because you need some sort of filter you shouldn't be trying to connect literally everything ever that you see right i don't know maybe that gets onto a different topic but okay as far as concrete things I think one of the the biggest, most important things that we did this year was figure out what we want to do with the year, then break it down into quarters. And then, you know, you have the three months, what's important during that. And then you have month by month and, and whatever it, it gives you this filter of, of hierarchy of where, you know, what's important and what's not. And with that, I can look at pretty much anything and sort of know if it's, you know, if it's me or not. So when when it comes to okay, when it comes to this, like, it, see, this weaves its way into your life and the way you organize things and how you draw and what you create and, and learn and all that. But for me, I guess how I'm trying to, if this is my practical advice, I'm trying to identify when I get it right. You know, in the morning when I'm drawing, that feels most like me. That's right. When I sh- when that feeling shows up again somewhere else, why did it show up then? And how do I make it show up more, you know, in places where I, I wish it was? Yeah. You know, what am I doing that actually conjures that feeling or that mind state? And what am I doing that's pushing it away and making, you know, something else happen? How do I, how do I feel like me all the time? How do I feel that all the time? I, I is what I'm kind of after right now. Yeah, that, I get, that I get sense? that. I think I, I think I get that. I remember an interview that I or an article I read from Steve Vai. He was talking about just his journey as a musician. Now he would say that, you know, how how do you write your music? How do you do what you do? And he would say that you, he plays, and he he looks for the thread, just this thing that he just it kind of sparks joy, and you find it you know you're searching for it you find it and then you just kind of pull on it you think this is it i don't know why it's it i can't really explain it to somebody else but this is it and i can feel it and i'm going to keep chasing this and that's just what he always looks for uh one other quick thought here from me i think a big a fundamental aspect to what you're talking about too is depth of focus and thought you know i think about the richard Feynman example and how he is somebody who always wants to know the deeper meaning of something and i think that's because he's just he's extremely focused on it in an obsessive way and if you're always distracted and kind of taking a shallow take on everything then it it probably won't like you can't really get there all right so your your computer is about to turn off we'll leave it at that um sorry for this conversation kind of going up a little bit in different directions but i I think there's some really really interesting stuff here maybe we'll kind of keep exploring that yeah, this is a work in progress thing. This isn't something I feel like we have figured out. It is it's something that I just want to keep thinking about and keep working on. But okay, right. my computer's yelling at me. Yep, and my lights turned weird. So, <laughs> we'll okay, talk see to you next guys soon.